Booty, it's going to be a two-on-one for the Monsters. Booty, right circle, waits, players, and he way to start the 2021-22 season for the Monsters. Uh, you heard there Liam Foody's overtime winner uh, to cap off an opening weekend split with the Syracuse Crunch. 6-4 loss on Friday, 5-4 overtime win on Saturday. And uh, let's talk about it. We'll begin the first ever episode of the Monsters Eye View podcast by uh, taking a look uh, around the AHL, in this case, just at the Monsters opening weekend, but throughout uh, the course of the podcast, this is going to be a segment where we look across the league. So uh, I'd like to welcome in my co-host for the Monsters Eye View podcast, the one and only Nicole Del Delvolano. Uh, Nicole, I don't want to mess your title up, so go ahead and uh, uh, rattle that off for the listeners. Yes, uh, Senior Coordinator of uh, Public Relations and Web web design I believe, or web services that's that's the way it's worded they're all a mouthful <laughs> uh on our staff but uh you can add to that co-host and executive producer talent booker for the monsters i view podcast right. and uh so we'll talk about our, our first guest here in just a little bit uh we won't reveal that for you right away although you already know because you read the description <laughs> To the pot. All right, it's Mark Letestu. Mark Letestu is our first guest, so we'll hear from him in a little while. That was a fun conversation, wasn't it? I mean, we talked about a lot of different things, and uh, you know what? What a great career he's had, and now sort of starting a new chapter of that career with the Monsters. Yeah, talk about a nice first guest to have, especially for uh, someone like me who's not constantly doing this like you. It was someone very easygoing, easy to talk to, made it feel like this isn't uh, super super scary. <laughs> Nothing, no, nothing scary here whatsoever, except maybe the uh, energy in the building oh my on gosh. Friday and Saturday. Uh, my favorite part of the first two games for the Monsters was just the fact that we could get 9,000 people back in the building on opening night. We could right. feel that sort of uh, that vibe again, which is, is so important to the guys. I mean, it, it's like a real, real thing. The home ice advantage of the Fieldhouse. In fact, we talk about that with Mark a little bit here, but... Um, it was just fun to feel that again because it had been so long. And, and I got to be honest with you, I was worried that feeling wouldn't come back. But there it was right on opening night. Right. It's something that you just can never take for granted being out here. I know you and I talk a lot. Uh, for me, my first team's working in smaller barns, not as many people. And then coming here and not only the amount, but holy cow, all the energy everyone brings in. It's just a whole different type of fan out here. And man, I know the guys love it. They, they certainly do. So uh, on opening night, so on Friday, uh, we're recording this just uh, so you guys have proper context on Monday, the 18th. So this is, uh, we're talking about Friday night, the 15th opening night. It was, uh, let's see, a 2 nothing lead for the Monsters early. Cool to uh, see Tim Burney get his first mm -hmm. AHL goal. I love those milestone goals. And nice for him to not waste any time. First AHL game coming over from Switzerland, and that kind of set the tone. But we can be honest here and critique a little bit. Uh, Monsters kind of took their foot off the gas after building that 2 nothing lead. And Syracuse, uh, I was really impressed. I mean, I, I know you were running around doing a million things during the game. But that Syracuse team, uh, you know, they remind me a lot of the way their affiliate, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, uh, play. Hard-nosed team blocking a lot of shots, finishing every hit. Um, you know, credit to them. They battled back and they got a 6-4 win. 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely – all teams looked good. It was great to see anybody on the ice, but agree with everything you're saying, uh, Syracuse, the organization, what they look like. But they definitely – they battled back. I think our guys put up good fight and everything, had that nice lead. And, you know, obviously they took it and brought it into the next game, learned their – Learned from it and just improved. Yeah, a couple of scary moments uh, in that game. Otto Sampi uh, yeah. was injured at one point, had to be stretchered off for the crunch. And then uh, Max Legacy, their starting goaltender, left with what looked to me like a knee injury. So uh, definitely best wishes to those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just hate to see that stuff at any point, but on opening night especially. Um, and I want to tip my cap to the facilities crew at the field house too because uh, there was a little bit of a delay but uh, those guys got to knock off the rust just like the rest of us and get out and, and uh, replace a pane of glass that wasn't cooperating. So great opening night, despite the fact the Monsters didn't win. The following day, though, uh, kind of a similar deal. Monsters generated another early lead with a couple of goals from uh, Carson Meyer and Justin Scott. And uh, those two are, are now tied for the team lead in scoring with two goals, three points each. Anyway, uh, Syracuse battles back. Jimmy Huntington, my goodness. I, I was trying to think the last time I've seen a natural hat trick right? in person, and I could not think of a time. I mean, maybe it's happened. I don't know. I've been doing this a little while, but um, that was that was cool to see, I guess. I mean, you know, not cool to see, but, uh, you know, it was, it was great to see them um, battle back in that game. The Monsters, that is, after giving up that lead and, in fact, falling behind. And then those great dramatic moments at the end of the game. I mean, those are special. Uh, I love calling them Carson Meyer. Just, uh, you know, letting fly from way, way downtown on that uh, game-tying goal at the end of regulation. And then Liam Foody in overtime. Those were both just awesome moments where the field house just, uh, you know, started heaving a little bit. And, and that energy is, uh, I've missed it so much. Oh, my gosh. It's just something else. Those moments are dramatic enough to begin with on our side. So, you know, for me down there running around trying to get everything ready for the end of the game, it's all this anxiety just in general. And then on top of that, the energy that comes from the fans just sort of adds to how big these moments are. And, man, what a what an exciting outcome at the end and a great one for that matter that we all got to see. Yeah, so the Monsters are uh, headed on the road this weekend, but they start the season one and one. Uh, and scored a lot of goals, scored yeah. four goals on uh, opening night, uh, nine goals now through two games. You got to love that. And uh, nice, too, to see J.F. Baruby back in a Cleveland uniform. He was uh, with the team in 18-19 and uh, played really well on Saturday night. Great veteran goalie uh, is going to be working in tandem with Daniel Tarasov this year. Um, so personally, I just great guy. It was nice to see him back in a monster's uniform. Him at the end of that game too, was just amazing. His stops. And I was ready, waiting for this opening, pulled it up. It was 939 days between his last <laughs> game when he played for us and getting back into net. So, you know, the fans loved having him back in there. I love seeing him back. Yeah. It's going to be awesome this year with those two goalies. Monsters are really lucky to mm-hmm. have them and, and great to get a look at the team. Uh, of course, I can't believe we haven't mentioned it yet. Also, Igor Chinikov, now he was assigned short-term basis. He's already back up with the Blue Jackets as of uh, the time of this recording. But, man, he lived up to the billing there, was able to take one shot on net. He put it into the back of the net. Great to see that NHL release. The fans were excited to see it, and uh, he delivered on his uh, first North American pro game. He uh, knocks off that milestone goal. Yeah, he did. And what a shot he has. I know when we were up in Traverse City uh, watching that, we were all very in awe of his shot. So I knew as soon as he came back down, just sort of waiting for that moment to happen. And you can't say any better. First shot, first goal, it was perfect. (laughs) So that'll do it for our Around the AHL segment now. We just talked monsters this time. Usually we'll take a little bit more broad scan throughout the league 
some of the storylines and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, opening weekend, why not keep it in-house? Yeah. So uh, that, that'll do it for our around the AHL portion of the show. Up next, though, an awesome interview. Mark Letestu, Monsters assistant coach, long NHL career, played with the Monsters on that same team J.F. Berube was on yeah. in 2018-19. Uh, so it was great to catch up with him. Wide-ranging convo, and we will have that for you in just a moment on the first ever edition of the Monsters I View podcast with Nicole DelVolano. I'm Tony Brown. Thanks for listening, guys. Up next, the one, the only, Mark Letestu. Well, I, I hope that our guest today feels honored. He is the inaugural guest on the Monsters I View podcast with Nicole DelVolano. Tony Brown here, and we are happy to be joined by Mark Letestu, uh, assistant coach for the Cleveland Monsters. And Tess, uh, this is how we thought we could we could introduce you to the audience here today. Nicole came up with this. I think it's a great idea. All right, so you're writing your own Wikipedia uh, entry about yourself, right? Go ahead. Give us the first couple of sentences there. Uh, I guess a uh, hockey player, obviously what I identify as, but, uh, you know, father of three, uh, Came from small beginnings in small town Alberta. Uh, hung around long enough to play this game a long time and still enjoying it. There you go. See, that Perfect. worked. That's yeah. a great idea. Nicole, executive producer of the podcast here. Pretty good. We'll update your bio on Wikipedia. I, I appreciate that, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's a good place to start. Let's start there. Elk Point, Alberta. Uh, tell us about that town and tell us about your, your early days sort of uh, – introducing yourself to and the game introducing itself to you yeah funny enough uh elk point isn't it's my hometown it's where i I say i'm from but uh with with my family uh my dad was heavily involved in oil and gas truck driver Uh, so i was actually born in saskatoon saskatchewan uh we moved up to Yellowknife for a year northwest territories i ended up in kindersley saskatchewan for a few years where actually i grew up with Derek dorsett uh you know just kind of randomly uh my brother and he are the same age and then we finally just chasing work, ended up in Elk Point, was probably 12 years old, and I've been there ever since. Uh, met my wife there, still go back, the, the jersey's hanging in the arena. So it, it, it means a lot to me uh, to be from there, uh, still keep in contact with a lot of people. Uh, there's only 1,400 people, so it, it's, it's very small. Uh, you know everybody. It's one of those where everybody seems to wear different hats, you know, you're your 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 boss is also the president of minor hockey, who is also the manager of the baseball team. So it's one of those towns that uh, it's pretty well connected. So that is nuts. So so Derek Dorsett, a guy who you end up, uh, of course, playing with and knowing and now working with as a, a development coach with the Blue Jackets, come from the same small town. That's crazy. So you, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, just one of those kind of where you just keep meeting up. And and you've, I mean, you've been in hockey a little while now. Uh, it's such a small world. Uh, so, yeah, we grew up for six years together. My brother played in the same minor hockey teams as him, and then I don't see him again until I'm playing in Wilkesbury and he's playing in Syracuse. <laughs> and then again, you know, we're teammates as Pittsburgh trades me to Columbus, and, you know, eventually he goes on, but now we're working together again uh, with the Blue Jackets, originally on the development side, but now we're all still under the same umbrella, but it's, it's good to have him around. That's crazy. Uh, you know, I love those connections in hockey. It, it really boggles the mind. Uh, if you know one person, you know 100 people in this game. So um, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your current role. So you're an assistant coach with the team now, but that wasn't the plan uh, in the offseason. You were on the development staff with Columbus, of course, and 
then Traverse City rolls around, and, and Coach Eves, uh, you know, has, has some things keeping him away from the bench. So Trent Vogelhuber is coaching the team. You're on the bench, and uh, the next day you're, you're an assistant coach. Take us through that process. Yeah, well, and, and really it, it all kind of started with, with COVID uh, and Sylvain Lefebvre not taking the job in Columbus. And then obviously, you know, we're lucky enough to have great coaches here, and Steve McCarthy's able to go up to Columbus and really fill in. So th- there was a void here. Uh, and I'd reached out to Clarky right away saying that, you know, if they were interested in filling that position, uh, it's something I would, I would love to get into. Uh, so it just happened to roll from there. Like you said, Traverse, it just kind of came naturally. It was on the bench. It was kind of working with some of those kids anyways. And as, as the tournament went on, I got more and more comfortable, and it's something I really wanted to do. And Clarky approached me and thought it would be a great idea. Uh, you know, when you get into the development side, I always wanted to be a coach, and there's just only so many positions. So that, that was my entry point to hockey. Uh, I, don't, I didn't know that it would happen 45 days after accepting the first job. You know, I thought I might have to pay some dues and, and wait. But uh, when you talk to everybody, even Trent himself, uh, when he got into it, it just kind of fell into his lap. He was actually playing. He was my teammate. He showed up the next day with a whistle, and he was a coach. So it's uh, – you never know how you're going to get into it. It's just fun to be in it now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember, what, 2018-19, right? Uh, he's in training camp, and then the next day I show up at the rink, and they're like, yeah, assistant coach. So uh, it's these things happen quickly. You know, you said you reached out to Clarkie and everything, but did you still feel like do you have any type of nerves moving into that role? Like you were saying, you didn't expect it to go so quickly. Like I know you wanted to end up in coaching, but is that was it just? Yeah, and as a player, there's always this – player coach barrier player management barrier and even when you're on the development side there always seems to still be a barrier you know it's even it's intimidating talking to Yarmo even still now I don't know what it is you can't take the player idea so reaching out to Clarkie in that situation it was uh, I gotta give my wife credit I came home with the idea and she's like well, what are you waiting for I'm like well is it okay if I leave is kind of what, right. what I'm really <laughs> asking for here and she's like yeah go which that says a whole another thing but it, it was. It was intimidating, uh, and it really doesn't hit you until you get in the room. And you're like, oh, like I'm I'm supposed to lead this group of men, like somehow, and give them direction, and you just jump in. You just go, you, and really, you take little tidbits from coaches that you liked and leave stuff out. Maybe you didn't, uh, but you accumulate all this knowledge over your career. Uh, you don't realize how much you actually have until you get in front of guys and you actually have to speak to them. Let's talk about that, and we're talking here with Mark Letestu on the maiden voyage for the Monsters Eye View podcast. Uh, Let's talk about some coaches you've had throughout your career. I mean, of course, every player that lasts as long in the game as as you did, um, you know, throughout your NHL career and the AHL list goes on. Who are some of the guys that that really connected with you, that, that you took some of those things, that you find yourself now as a coach thinking back to those days and emulating some of those guys? Who are some of those guys? Well, I was very fortunate. I, I grew up uh, as a pro hockey player in Wilkes-Barre's organization, and we had, it seemed like a parade of coaches going to the NHL. It, it started with Todd Richards, went to Dan Bilesma, then Todd Reardon, then John Hines. So I, I had year after year of, of really quality, quality coaches, uh, all of which, except other than Dan, who's recently in Charlotte as an assistant coach, are all got jobs in the NHL. Uh, so especially now being back in the American League uh, at that level, the development, the drills, the messaging, I, I do draw a little bit on what I had gotten from those guys. Uh, but as you go on, again, I had taught again in the NHL, and it was nice to see the, the progression as a coach and a player relationship from the minors to the NHL and 
maybe what messaging came out, you know, how much he let the player be himself. Uh, I had a great coach in Todd McClellan, who, who is in Edmonton. Uh, again, just the way he treated me as I got older in my career, the expectations for me. So you're always taking uh, tidbits, drills for sure. That that was probably the first thing when I had to dr- think up drills for practice. <laughs> you're used to just turning off your brain and, and doing what you're told. Now you got to come up with it and have a purpose. Uh, so you're always trying to take little things that you enjoyed from, from each individual. Um, this is kind of out of left field, but I wanted to ask you about your time at Western Michigan. Now, you, you were there for one season, but, uh, you know, highly decorated season. I think you're the rookie of the year in the CCHA. Um, just, you know, coming out of uh, your junior career and, you know, trying to get to the professional hockey, how important was that year as kind of a bridge in your career at the college level? Well, and it's funny you said trying to get to professional hockey. That that was not my intention. You know, I, <laughs> I was 20 years old coming out of Tier 2. I deferred my scholarship year just to play with my brother. I, I was in no hurry. Um, but Western was fortunate enough to give me a scholarship to come out and play hockey. And my intention was to become an accountant. I was going there for four years. I, I had no... No aspirations for the NHL other than just dreaming about it. Uh, and as the season went on, you know, had more and more success. As a little bit older, as 21 as a freshman, you know, the rest of my class was 18, 19. Uh, but as I had more success, uh, my advisor at the time was like, hey, teams are starting to sniff around. Like, this could be a thing. So, and that's really the first time that I'd, you know, maybe this, there's a chance here. Uh, and then it, it came to fruition. Pittsburgh offered me a contract. And uh, because I was 21, uh, it was time to go. Yeah. If I was going to make a run at it, that was the time, uh, and it turned out to be a pretty good decision. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and the rest is history, as they say. Uh, right. So so another thing I wanted to make sure we talk about, too, because I was talking to Dylan Simpson the other day, uh, just named captain of the Monsters this year. Um, he was on the team when, when you joined the Monsters, 2018-19, uh, right? So um, we're, I was just talking to him about, you know, you played with somebody and now they're your coach. And, and he mentioned Vogue's the way, you know, we just talked about. But um, just take us through that, that point in your career because you'd been in the NHL for a long time with, with what, three different teams. And, um, you know, you, you found yourself in the American League. And, and we all know that there are some players uh, who would have a hard time with that sort of a situation. What, wh- where were you mentally uh, when, when, you know, you, you found yourself coming to Cleveland uh, at that stage in your career? Yeah, there's obviously disappointment uh, when you're taking, you know, a considered level down. Uh, but I, I've never been too proud to be a hockey player. Uh, I think it's any league, any time that somebody wants to, to pay you to play a game, uh, it's a privilege. Uh, and I, I viewed that as, a, as an opportunity, uh, you know, to be a veteran guy, to be a mentor, to be a leader. Uh, and I'm sure the impression that I left helped ease Clarkie when I gave him a call. You know, yeah. to, to be in front of the group. Uh, so I think you always have to be mindful of how you carry yourself in a professional setting. And that was just an opportunity for me to show that I still had it. Uh, and it, it, it did kind of turn it into another, you know, run the NHL the following year with Winnipeg. So right. I, didn't, I didn't come here to try and float and try and uh, just collect a paycheck. I, I tried to get better. And credit to the coaches here, an older guy coming down, they, they still coached me. Uh, but I enjoyed my time here. And if I didn't, I certainly wouldn't have reached out to come back. <laughs> exactly. We're talking here with Mark Letestu, Monsters assistant coach on the first ever Monsters Eye View podcast. Uh, Nicole Del Volano, Tony Brown. Nicole? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, so you played with a couple of the guys who are in the room that you are still coaching. We talked about having Trenton there, too, and Brad, for that matter, as some of the younger coaches. 
How has that transition been? And you guys have a lot of um, to lean on with Coach Eves and his experience and everything. So how are you sort of balancing your easy to uh, talk to the guys and be the coach and be that like middleman and everything? Yeah, it's nice uh, having Coach Eves here. Uh, I think to stay in the game that long, you have to be good at what you do. Uh, you, you can't can't fool everybody you know like he, he's gone from location location country to country college to pro uh and he's had success at all those levels so anytime i think as a young rookie coach coming in the league that you can you can use him as a sounding board uh he can give me direction because he's been through it and, and i'm i'm really kind of going through it for the first time so I, I think that's so valuable uh trent we're, you know, we're both around the same age uh so that helps to kind of go through it together trent and brad same age our families are all in the same kind of situation so anytime you have you know shared interests shared likes it's always better to go through it with those guys you're never on an island it, it, it's nice that way uh and that was my when you went back to being teammates with guys that was my biggest concern about coming in the room uh you know can you now know lead them can you can you instruct them without you know putting your friendship in the way and what I found is you just got to be honest with guys that's what they appreciate more than anything friend or not friend you want what's best for them and you have to be honest and and sometimes you know feelings might get hurt Uh, it's not always the case but sometimes it does but in the in the end you're all you want is the best for them you know I want I want Dylan I want Galley I want all those guys to play in the NHL and that's my goal for every player here is to get them to the NHL and, and I think even you know, if, if they are your friends, you want to push them even harder. Uh, and sometimes it comes to an uncomfortable conversation, uh, but that's part of coaching. It's part of the gig. You know, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the idea of development coaches. Uh, you've been in the NHL a long time. It seems like the emphasis on that is, has only increased as the years have gone on. Um, what you're describing is your role as an assistant coach. I mean, in a way, sounds like what a development coach is all about, too. I mean, that's connecting with the guys, relating to the guys. Um, you know, taking lessons you've learned from your career and, and, you know, helping interpret those so that they can, you know, maybe avoid some things that you encountered, et cetera. But, uh, you know, what do you think about sort of the, the role of development and, and development staffs in the NHL and how that's sort of blossomed and grown in the last maybe, I don't know, five, ten years? Well, and it seems so important, uh, especially with the cap system now. Yeah. It's not like you can just pay all your players and then keep them forever. You have to be able to have a wave after wave of young talent coming in as we've seen with Toronto or sorry, Tampa Bay, Syracuse, they, they've just guys have come out of nowhere to all of a sudden be contributors up there. And that's a testament to the way they've developed their players through the American league, through their development system. And it's kind of become a model. So as, as an assistant coach down here, you want to send your players to the NHL as prepared as possible as you, there are pros when they get there, all the NHL's, doing is kind of telling them where to go they don't have to worry about their habits or the way they work and practice like that you iron that stuff out here uh and again i've had to go through all those uncomfortable meetings about the way i practice so trying to use those to just so they can go up there and play they don't have to worry about uh you know what their center assignments are how they back check you know you just they go up there and they play and have success and as a coach now that's really what you uh, pride yourself on is them going up there and having a long NHL career. Okay, so here we are right on the precipice of the season. Uh, you know, it's been a long time. It feels like to me at least it's been a long time since just mentally, you know, we've all thought about what a 76-game AHL grind is going to be like. Uh, just take us through maybe the last 
year plus for you and your family and, and uh, how maybe it's – I know it's true for me. It's made me appreciate more what, what we really do here and, and what we can do when times are normal and, and we're not dealing with things we've all never considered before, like a global pandemic. But um, just take us through how, uh, you know, you and your family got through this period and how excited you are to get back to uh, that regular feeling. Yeah, well, I learned I'm not a teacher. Like, that's, <laughs> that is not my lane. Uh, homeschooling was, was pretty difficult. Uh, I got to give teachers all the credit in the world. Uh, but we grinded, just like, like everybody yeah. else. Uh, you know, we tried to grind through it the best we could. Uh, but I, I got to agree with you, just knowing that the, the building's going to be, there's anybody in it. It yeah. could be full, there could be 10 people. Just knowing that there's anybody here to be able to watch uh, these guys play, uh, the atmosphere for the for minor league hockey here is is pretty unrivaled. Yeah. So I think the guys more than anything, I'm happy for them. They, they get to play in front of a, you know, however many people show up, it's going to be fun. And and I, I think the fans themselves have been waiting for this for a while too. So I, I can't wait. Um, you know, monster fans are special, and I hope the guys get to see it. Yeah, Cleveland is. Uh, it doesn't get anywhere near the credit it deserves as as a hockey town. That's for sure. I mean, we just know that's true. These uh, uh, fans pack this building like few places in the American League. As a guy who played here, like you know, thinking about all the places you could be. I know you had a great experience in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton uh, earlier in your career, but when you think of this level of hockey and all the places you could be, it's great to be here. This is a fortunate place to be able to play, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Whether it's the way you're treated at the rink, uh, the access to to things the, the organization gives you, uh, they try to give you everything they can. And then on top of that, it's a pretty nice city to live. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like you're pigeonholed to a few places or in a small city. There's there's variety here. There's a lot to do. And it, to be honest, that when you're in uh, a minor league city, it's nice to only be two and a half hours away from the, the big club. It's a nice <laughs> little stretch down 71, quick call up. So there's, there's a lot of things going for the affiliation agreement here, and, and I think it's just such a natural fit uh, with the Blue Jackets. Speaking of the Blue Jackets, let's let's go there too. I mean, you played there for a good chunk of your professional career. Um, you know, it's a place where you see a lot of guys that, that stuck there for several years uh, find a way back to the organization later in their careers, and you're one of those people. Um, what makes it such a special place, and what makes it a place you, w- you want to be and you want to commit to? Yeah, for me, I just seem to identify with, well with people from the midwest we just get each other we're like it's just an easy simple kind of life and uh, you know both my wife and i are from northern alberta uh, so the winters are nothing i don't want to hear anything about winters here (laughs) you know they're they're great we can handle those uh and our kids you know they're they made their friends there that's their home it's our home uh so we we just for whatever reason uh it's just great place to raise a family and we uh we love it there well, uh, we, we're happy to have you back this year, Testy. This is going to be fun. Uh, you know, 76 games, games all the time. I mean, last season, it's just, you, you, I don't know, it was disorienting, wasn't it? I mean, you know, the whole thing with pro sports is you can sort of count on the fact that there are going to be games, and it, it sort of helps the months tick by and keeps you in, in your lane and on schedule and stuff. And without that, I don't know about you, but uh, for the first time in, in close to a decade, I, it was a little disorienting, wasn't it, last year? I think so. I think For me, it's been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm staying in a hotel here. It's been nice to turn on the TV every night, watch playoff baseball, yeah. opening night of the NHL the other night. It was just, it was a little bit of normalcy. And, and I know uh, if pro sports can provide that for, for some folks, uh, 
you know, that's great for me. It seems to be between Little League, you know, watching my son on Game Changer and then moving off to pro sports. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to see things slowly uh, return to normal. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but it's, it's better than it's been, and I think we've got to be thankful for what we get. All right, so uh, back in the American League, you were here a few years ago. Where are some places you're maybe looking forward to getting on the circuit, some buildings you like to go, and, and uh, you know, what, what's going to be fun for you in revisiting some of these, uh, some of these cities? Well, it, for me, it's always fun to go back to Wilkes-Barre uh, just to see how the, the organization has aged. It, it's fun to see all the, the management, uh, the upper management still there, a lot of people around the organization. So I, I enjoy going back there. Uh, but there, there's a lot of rivalry games here, too. Uh, to not have to be on the ice in Grand Rapids is going to be fun to see how, how that plays out. Uh, when I was here, Rochester and Toronto were, were big rivalry games. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited uh, just to get around. I, I know it, it sounds like I'm lying to you, but I kind of enjoy the bus rides. I, oh, I yeah. like the grind of the league. I like, uh, I like viewing myself as developing my, my coaching. You know, I've seen a lot of coaches go on from this level to the NHL level and I'm just excited to go through it and experience it at at every stop here. You know I started uh, talking about playing in Wilkes-Barre but you're going to be going back as a coach and sort of like big full circle moment here. Have you thought about that at all and what that's going to be like? Like you were saying for Grand Rapids you're not on the ice there you're at a whole new part of your life and just looking back at where you started with it. Yeah I'll have to lean on Brad. Brad Brad will be my he'll be my reference there. No, but I, I think it's just it's going to be I'm going to have to check myself a few times when I when I'm on the bench and not take it in too much cuz I, I I think I got a job to do so right. I got to make sure guys know what they're they're doing. So uh but it is it's it's going to be an interesting new perspective. Uh I always found when I was up top, you know, way up top watching as a scratch, the game seems so slow. And now that I've been on the bench only for four and Travers, uh, it happens so fast. And you need, you need guys to lean on a little bit. Uh, and the, 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 I'm on the defensive side right now, and those guys run themselves. So that's if I get an entry-level position on the D side of the bench, it's probably the nicest spot to be. <laughs> okay, two more quick ones for you before we hit you with uh, – we're calling it the shootout right, right at the end of the show. So we'll hit you with some quick hit topics there. Like but it. before we get there um, – you know, I just want to ask you about your thoughts on the AHL as a league, how it has evolved, how it has changed from uh, the early part of your career to now, and and uh, where you see the league heading. Obviously, it's become the primary way to get to the National Hockey League is to play in the American League for most guys. So um, just how have you seen this league change and grow and, and evolve over the years? Well, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is geographically. Mm-hmm. Like, there were no teams out west. There was no California division. Yep. Uh, we had Houston, San Antonio. That was about the only warm weather spots you were going. Uh, and now teams seem to be emphasizing close proximity uh, to their affiliates. I mean, the time I was playing, Portland, Maine was affiliated with Anaheim. You know, I can't right. imagine that's a nice flight. So right. it, it seems like there's been an emphasis on that. Uh, but it still is the, the premier development league for the NHL. Uh, you know, obvi- obviously the way the cap has gone and some of the super talented kids to come through the draft they, they've skipped that spot i mean you've seen it this year uh with columbus and sillinger and chinnikov making the team there are some players that they're just they're ready uh, but this is still that that level where players you get them over ready they, yeah. they're going to come here they're going to spend a few years and, and find themselves and find their game and when we send them up there they're, they're ready they're ready to contribute uh, so it, it still is the premier development league 
Uh, and hopefully it's the same for coaches. You know, we're looking to, we're the same as the players. And I think that's, that's, that's a message for the players always every year is that everybody here, everybody from the, the staff to the medical staff to the trainers, we all want to be in the NHL. So we kind of have to hold ourselves to that National League standard every day because you never know when the call's coming. That's exactly right. I mean, you could say the same for Nicole and myself and everybody upstairs uh, pecking away in the front office. So uh, great perspective there. Um, let, let's just talk briefly before we wrap it up, too, about this year's team and some of the guys. I mean, of course, I think it's the, the top 10 leading scorers from last year are all back on the team this year, but there's also a lot of new faces. It seems like a very deep and, and versatile group of players uh, from guys you know on assignment from Columbus to younger guys coming in to AHL-contracted players. Um, who are some guys uh, who have caught your eye throughout the course of Columbus training camp and then the last week and a half here? in getting ready for the season and uh you, you know you're working with the defenseman just who, who's kind of jumped out to you and and uh who should fans be on the lookout for this season yeah and i think for even perspective on this group uh last year's version of the american hockey league was different mm -hmm. so there are a lot of young guys that got a really good push uh last year got into some spots that maybe they wouldn't have gotten in their first year and, and what it's caused is it's, it's caused us to have a lot of decisions to make as far as depth so Early on, probably going to see four pretty balanced lines and six quality defensemen. Our team is as deep. It's deeper than when I was here. It certainly is. Uh, but it's as deep as any team I, I would put in the league. So we're pretty happy with that. But as you know, we're two injuries. Right. And, you know, Just wait for the churn to yeah, start happening so here. You can have your best laid plans. And it, it can, you know, who knows what happens tonight with the, the Jackets in Phoenix. We could, we could have to throw it all out. Uh, but... As far as the, the young players that I'm not familiar with, uh, and I got to coach them a little bit uh, in Travers, Jake Christensen's been somebody that I, I've seen him on film. He, he's certainly taken a step. He's a more confident individual. Uh, you know, Carson Meyer, somebody I've known for a long time, just being around the gym and on the rinks in Columbus. Uh, he's a different player from when I've first been introduced to him. He, he's taken a step. And then, you know, Tyler Angle's another guy that was here last year that I think surprisingly was here and, and surprisingly was one of the better players. And I think now that, uh, you know, last year there wasn't pressure for him to produce. There is this year. He's going to be the guy, you know. So there's there's a lot of things that there, there's differences in this year uh, from last year, and we're expecting players to take a step. Uh, leadership group, Dylan Simpson, Justin Scott, Tyler Secura, all uh, proven veteran players in this league. They know the drill. Uh, how lucky are these young guys to be able to look up to those three? Well, and it, that's always important in this league. Uh, you can have coaches' messages that, that get lost. And, and if you don't have a leadership group to be an extension of the coaching staff, nothing works. So the, the team really is those guys. Uh, we'll give them the messaging and some of the system stuff. But if your your leadership group doesn't drive your team, things kind of get lost. And pretty confident in those individuals that uh, the messages won't be lost. All right. We're going to wrap it up with our shootout segment. So we have some quick hitter questions for you. Love it. Uh, first up, what was the favorite rink you've ever played in? Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. I mean, and if you watched opening night, right. it's pretty obvious. Yeah, that's it's the best. Uh, I know this is quick hitter, but like, <laughs> let's just dwell for just a moment. The animation, did you see that? The it's ice crazy. animation with the Kraken, and it's like being, what, burned alive or whatever and falling into the... Yeah, well, is this the National Hockey League? They, I couldn't believe it. And they had the little mascot knight come out to center ice and stab the oh. ice, and that's why he's on fire. And they, they lean into it. I remember being out there when they were building the rink and just 
like hoping to come back to be able to go out to a game because man they just put on it's vegas they put on a show before they put on the game which is it, it feels like a playoff game every game they are everybody's there for warm-up they're loud they got like it's it's just something else it, it really is a unique experience so even when you're on the road you want an environment that's just engaged right i mean that's that's really all that matters it doesn't matter where you are you just want that energy yeah absolutely and it's it's a difficult building to go in and win because of the energy but it's it's just fun to be a part of it's fun to be in it all right next one uh favorite teammate you've ever had Oh, wow. It's tough. That I know. It's hard. No uh, pressure. It's the whole point of the shootout <laughs> segment. Is we put you right on the spot, just like you're in there in the shootout all alone at center ice. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, here. somebody spent a lot of time with uh, Matt Hendricks. He, he was a guy in Edmonton, played a lot. He's a development coach now in, in Minnesota, but he, uh, a lot of character. Our, our families are still pretty close, but he's, he's one of the best I've ever met in the game. He's awesome. All right, and uh, the weirdest thing you've ever had to autograph? A baby. Oh, for real? Yeah. Seriously. I, yeah, oh yeah. It, people get wild. You autograph the baby. Just a Sharpie right what? on the forehead? No, it was like his, you know, she just, it was his, uh, basically his onesie. And instead of handing me the onesie, <laughs> she just held the baby out and I signed the onesie on the baby. All right. Well, signed perfect. a baby. Yeah. What That's better souvenir for any hockey fan? Right. Nice. I don't know what we were expecting for that answer, but I think that was a perfect one. Yeah. yeah. Well done. First shootout segment. What do you go. think, Testy? Not bad. I think I was like 40% as a player. So okay. yeah, I'm hoping I was better than 40%. Specialist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, we, we can't thank you enough. You've been very generous with your time today. Thanks for doing it. It's great to have you back in Cleveland. And congratulations on your new position. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Tomorrow yeah. we drop the puck. It's a good feeling, huh? Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me on as the inaugural guess that was a lot of pressure I guess. well we wanted to start strong and we wanted to make clear to trent vogelhuber that we needed a strong guess and he's number two (laughs) that's most important he follows me i think he is yes i think he is that that might be it thanks again testy great to talk to you appreciate it thanks guys just downright fun. Mark Letestu, uh, an awesome first guest here on the Monsters Eye View podcast, wrapping things up for episode one with Nicole Del Villano, Tony Brown back with you here, and uh, good stuff from Testy. I mean, it was fun to talk about uh, sort of his beginnings in the game, his path through the game, and, and to drive home to his fellow assistant coach with the Monsters, Trent Vogelhuber, that, that we really needed that uh, that strong leadoff hitter, and, and I think Testy delivered. I know he did a great job. We're going to have to uh, send this along, have him show Trent what he has to live up to now. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of great guests throughout uh, the course of this season on the Monsters I View podcast. Not just folks with the Monsters, but people from across the hockey landscape in a lot of different capacities. We're going to talk about a lot of different issues, and, and hopefully this is going to be interesting and engaging for you guys. So uh, uh, please uh, hit the Monsters up on Twitter. Uh, give us your feedback. We, we appreciate the constructive criticism. Uh, this is our first foray here with the Monsters into podcasting, but we appreciate you guys listening uh, and make sure you subscribe to the Monsters I View podcast. Every couple of weeks, we'll have a, a new episode. What is it? Bi-weekly, monthly? What are we doing? Bi-weekly, I believe. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, mm-hmm. think of all the great content we're going to have for you guys throughout the year. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Nicole Del Villano, Tony Brown here. That'll do it for episode one of the Monsters I View podcast team back on the ice this weekend on the road. Belleville Friday, Saturday, Toronto on Sunday. But uh, we'll be back after that to talk about uh, everything that's happened and everything that's ahead 
in the monster season and across the AHL. Great job, Nicole. One down. Yeah, one down already. Let's keep going. All right. That's Nicole Del Villano. I'm Tony Brown. And this has been the Monsters I View podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.